Cool. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. San Bonani. Even you guys, I need a response. You say, yeah, boss. San Bonani. <laughs> Even you at home watching this online, I wanted you to say it loudly. Yeah, boss. <laughs> Excellent. So, like Greg has just mentioned, my name is Tobile Chittenden, and I am married to Simon Chittenden, and we are part of the Josie East community in the Makers Valley. So, hi, everyone. Hi, family. And yeah, Simon is also part of our high school ministry here at Parks called Ignite. And I'm really, really excited that I get the privilege to share with you this morning. And my intention behind the greeting was actually meaningful because Simon and my uh, son, Isaiah, they're getting ready to start Isizulu lessons in the valley. And if you know our home, we're really not really great at learning Zulu together. But what we've been doing in the weeks before this is watching Zulu-mite videos on YouTube and listening to song and dance. And over and over again, I'm hearing the greetings, Saubona, in the, in the living room. And it's actually so profound and significant tying into the series because the actual literal meaning of the greeting translates to I see you. And the response that you give, Yebo, really affirms the seeing of one another. And I just thought it was so significant because imagine we lived in a world where we actually took this greeting to heart. When we walked into the boardroom, when we walked into the schoolroom, how we actually engaged with one another is behind this greeting, that we see each other, that we don't just merely pass by or do a like polite wave, but we actually took a moment to engage and see one another for who we really are. See one another for who God sees or says we are. And so this was kind of at the back of my mind while preparing for this talk. And I'm really excited because as we've seen in the last two weeks, we've looked at the stories of Hagar and the widow of Zarephath, um, so wonderfully shared by Kirsten and Maddie. And today we get to see the story of Rahab. And I mean, it's in the book of Joshua, and Joshua has a lot of meat to it. We could do a whole theology course on it. But I really want us to zoom in into the story of Rahab this morning. And so to give us a little bit of context, the before story of Joshua, it's Joshua 2 where we find her story, is that the scripture really shows us this leader, this new Moses, Joshua. And we know before that, that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. They were enslaved, and through God, they saw that they were going towards a promised land. And they had been promised this 600 years earlier. And because of God, um, appointing Moses, he was divinely appointed to help them be set free, to help them escape Egypt. And they escaped through extraordinary miracles, and they cross the Red Sea, and they enter the wilderness, and there they get to learn about God, and they get to see his power and his might, and through battles and wars, other nations start to see that there's something special about this nation. There's something set apart. There's something divine about the small Israelite nation. And we see now, before we get into Joshua 2, that Moses dies, and he unfortunately doesn't lead them into the promised land. But Joshua takes over. And this is where we get to see the story of Rahab in Joshua 2. 
So I'm going to ask Gabby, who's from our Ignite team, to come up and read Joshua 2, verses 1 to 24. It's a bit of a long chunk, but I think you guys will really, really get excited by the story. So you can come up. Thank you. Joshua 2. Rahab protects the spies. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side along the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come in your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gates of Jericho were shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have guaranteed, since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that you will let me, that you will let me live along with my family and mother and brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and the kind to you and be kind to you when the Lord gives us that land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she, threw, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days, then, when they have returned, you can go your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you will let us down. And all your family members, your fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, and their family, must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way. 
leaving the scarlet rope hanging from their window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gabby. So, yeah, that's a lot and a, a wonderful and powerful story. But before we get into it, I'd just like us to bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you so much that you see us, that we are seen and known by you. And what a privilege it is, Lord. We just, yeah, gather around you this morning, Lord. We, we expect your presence to be seen and felt this morning. And we just pray that we give you our attention this morning, that we see you in a new and fresh way this morning. Reveal yourself to us this morning through your word, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Excellent. So thank you so much, Gabby, for reading that scripture for us. And like I said, I really want us to zoom into the story of Rahab and experience and feel what it was like to be her and how her story, how her responses point us to Jesus. And so we're going to just think about this woman who was literally, who still is literally labeled as a prostitute to this day. What we know about her is that she lived in the city of Jericho, and the city of Jericho was a powerful city in the land of Canaan. And they were just known, the Canaanites were known for being an evil and a merciless nation. They were known for worshiping many gods, for demonic idol worship, for sexual practices that were taboo, and also even sacrificing their children to many gods. And so we find Rahab living in this city, this dark, sinful city, but also powerful, and it attracted people that were looking for wealth and prosperity. And I just think how similar that is to Josie, <laughs> the city of gold, how we are seeking opportunity, seeking wealth and wisdom and um, excitement and thrill. And at the same time, the flip side is that there is a lot of darkness and a lot of brokenness and sin in our city. And so we see that in the cities in the Bible that were fortified with walls, they usually had a city inn near the front gates, which is kind of like a bed and breakfast, but this bed and breakfast had more emphasis on the bed more than the breakfast. And we know that the way that the Canaanites lived and the way that they interacted with others couldn't have been very um, helpful for Rahab. So she was in this position where she was, her career was a prostitute. I don't think she was treated with any respect or dignity. I think she was looked down upon, used, abused, seen as worthless, seen as valueless. And we see that she probably also had a thick skin that she had to develop, like a resilience to be able to deal with this continuous mocking, shaming, humiliation day after day. And not just from her clients, probably from the society and even her own family. And so as we picture what it must have been feeling like to be Rahab, to live in constant shame and fear, to live with this label upon her that she probably felt like she couldn't get rid of, 
Imagine this label sticks to you. I'm sure many of you have felt that, like, how is anyone ever going to be able to see me as the new me? With this label of being a prostitute, I'm sure it was hard for her to find any other work if she's seen as a prostitute, to find a husband and start a family if she's seen as this unworthy person. And so why even bother then? Why bother trying to find a new life or to be tried to seen to try to be seen as a new person if you're continuously looking down upon. And what I find so incredible about the story is that the impossible is possible with God, that she does have a chance at a new life, a chance as being seen as a new person through the story. And we're going to look at three main things as we go through Rahab's story towards her journey towards God. We're going to look at Rahab's faith, Rahab's salvation, and also Rahab's redemption. And the first thing we're going to look at is Rahab's incredible faith. I was just astounded that when these two kingsmen, well, the spies, come through and say, you better hide us, they are coming from another nation that is about to conquer hers. I mean, what makes her decide that she is going to hide these spies? What makes her in that moment when the kingsmen come and look for them say, no, I don't know where they are. It's her faith. It's incredible faith. And I mean, this is no ordinary act. Like I've said, the Canaanites were merciless. This was treason. So if she was found out, she would have probably had her eyes plucked out, her tongue cut off. She would have been dragged through the streets. She would have been stoned to death, been called a traitor. Why would she risk this? Well, we see why in verses 10 to 11 where it says, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og and the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And if that, <laughs> that is a statement of faith, I think it's incredible that she says she knows that their Lord is Lord because of what she has heard, because she has heard of these mighty and powerful acts, because she has heard that the Israelite God loves his people and has seen what, his people has, uh, what God has done for his people. And we see that because of this reason, because she hears that she decides she's going to risk her life, literally lay her life down for these two spies, and that her kings and gods and the idols that her people serve are nothing compared to what she hears about this mighty and powerful Israelite God. And that's why she decides to put her faith in the one true king. And we see here the importance of our testimony that our testimony is powerful. And it's not just about having one, it's not about us knowing that God has done something in our lives, but it's about sharing that, it's about speaking about the goodness of God, about what he's done in us, what he's done through us, what he's done for us. We can't keep that to ourselves, we've got to share it. And through that, other people will hear about the goodness of God and find faith and believe. And we also see that it's a decision, that she decided in that moment to take a risk and hide those two spies. And we are the same. 
that, yeah, there is still a risk to this day, and we've seen that pretty much this week, that we are persecuted, mocked, and teased for choosing Jesus. But we decide to choose him. It's a decision, and we do. We risk that. We risk our lives because we know that what's to come is far greater and is far sweeter than the risk we take today. And next we see Rahab's salvation. And this comes because of her faith. Because she believes in this mighty God, she knows that this God can save her family. And she actually requests this of the spies. We see this in verse 12 where it says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind. And I just love how she's asking them to swear now on their own Lord. Um, that you will be kind to me and my family now that I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, mother, brothers and sisters, and all their families. And what I love about this section is that she's not just asking for her own personal safety. She's not just like, save me. She says, save my family and their relatives. She's concerned for the safety of them too. And even though they've probably teased her and mocked her and judged her for her profession, she still cares about them. And I just think that's so important for us to realize too, that we should not just be concerned for our own salvation that we should be concerned for others too, that their salvation is as important as ours. And there's also something significant about this house. I think that God really emphasizes the safety of the house because this church is important to him, that we need to be gathering in his house, that we need to find communion in his house. But what is important is that they didn't find faith in the house, no, they said that you need to have faith. It was their faith that made them gather in the house. It made them come and gather and commune and find safety in the presence of God. And this picture of the house is a literal, physical uh, picture of safety. But we know that it also points to something that's far to come. It points to the spiritual salvation for eternity. And we also see that because of her faith that she is obedient and she puts her trust into these two spies who she has no idea who they are. She doesn't know them from a bar of soap. They're also men. Um, so from her previous experience, has probably been abused and used by men. And also they come from a culture that is foreign to hers. And so often we too, we find these reasons why we can't come to faith, like there's barriers in the way but despite these hectic barriers, she knows that she wants to still put her faith in Jesus. She knows because of what she's heard about the miracles that God has done for these Israelites, that despite these barriers, she decides, I am going to put my faith in these true spies. I'm going to be obedient to what God is asking me to do right now. I'm going to follow his call. And she believes and trusts in their God's mercy. And a beautiful point here as well is the scarlet rope that she hangs from her window. And it actually symbolizes the Passover, which we see in previous chapters in Exodus 12. And that's where the angel of judgment saves only those with the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And what's so beautiful about that is that it's a picture of our salvation too. It points 
to the lamb that was to come. It points to the lamb that is Jesus. And it points to the fact that we too are delivered from our sin. But because of Christ, because of our faith in Christ, because like Rahab who put her faith in God was delivered by her obedience through hanging the scarlet rope, so too are we delivered because of what Christ has done on the cross. And then we fast forward to Joshua 6, and we get to see how real the salvation is. And in the chapters between the army of Israel, they cross the Jordan River now, and they get to the city of Jericho, and they start marching around the city and doing loud shouts and blowing trumpets, all in obedience to God. And as they're going around, the walls of Jericho start crumbling. And we pick up from Joshua 6, verse 20, where it says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. So that was pretty real and pretty hectic, if I could say we see the city of Jericho falls to complete and utter destruction. And I just think about Rahab and her family, what made them leave their homes and enter the house of Rahab? Why did they trust Rahab all of a sudden, who was probably seen as the black sheep of the family? And I can only imagine that it was through her sheer faith and conviction that she started to act differently that she started to speak differently, that she started to behave differently, that she was motivated by something bigger than her, that she started to have a new hope and a new confidence that could be seen by her family and relatives, and that they could see that something is different about Rahab, that there's something bubbling inside of her that wasn't there before, and that the way she is telling us about this, come to my house, is different and that there must be truth in what she's saying. There must be truth in this God that she is now believing in. And I just think that is so, so important for us to think about, that we too should be so noticeably different to the world, that when they look at us, they think, no, Gabby is different. There's something about the way that she speaks, the way that she engages with her classmates that sets her apart. There's something about James, the way that he engages in the boardroom that sets him apart. And could that thing, could that something be God? We go on to see in verse 22 to 23 that they are indeed saved. It says, meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mothers, well, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. And I think this is such a wonderful and joyous moment, and it's the final point that Rahab's redemption, we see it because her family, a Canaanite family, is brought into the safety of the Israelite camp. 
And that is just such a beautiful picture for us to realize as well that we, when we decide to follow Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, he saves us and we become part of his family. We become part of his tribe. We become part of his chosen people. And this is such good news. This is good news for you, especially you who think that you're too far from God. If you have excluded yourself because you think your sin is way too much, you could never enter a church. This is for you who have disqualified yourself. And for me personally, I have disqualified myself many a time. You know, even just preparing for this, I was like, the labels that came to my mind whilst preparing, the labels that society has placed on me, but also the labels that I've placed on myself, like, no, label number one, I'm the shy one, I'm the introvert, I'm the quiet one, I'm the one that doesn't speak in public. And I think God sees beyond those weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. He knows them better than us. But he enables us to live beyond the labels, beyond the labels of this world and beyond the labels that we place on ourselves. And it's so important that we realize that, that he helps us. It's through his strength and his grace and his mercy that we are able to find a new identity, that we are able to act and be in obedience to his calling. And what I love is that Rahab was obedient. And that's why I find so much courage from her story, that we are never too much or even too little for God that your past sin doesn't define your future. And as we see with Rahab, it's through our faith that we are saved and that we can find redemption. And as we're coming to a close, I want us to point out something, that our faith comes first. Like Rahab, she believed first, but she didn't stop there. Her faith drove her to act. Her faith led her to obedience and then eventually to a new life. And it's important to remember that, you know, when the spies came, I just think of the story, like imagine the flip side. The spies come, the king's men come looking for the spies. And instead of acting in faith, in obedience to God's calling, she acts in fear and then hands over the spies to the king's men. What would have happened to the rest of that story? It wouldn't really be a story, and that ending would have been a foolish one. And we see exactly that in James 2, verse 20, where it says, How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And then in verse 25, it says, Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. And then in Hebrews 11 verse 31, we see that it's her faith and obedience that is highlighted and that she is deemed a hero of faith. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And it's because of her faith, because of her obedience, that we see that Rahab, the prostitute, becomes a shining example mentioned throughout the Bible. And it's so incredible, I get chills, that so much so we see in Matthew 1, verse five to six, 
that Rahab becomes the great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus, that her genealogy traces all the way, the prostitute's genealogy traces to the Messiah that is Jesus Christ. I think it's just such a powerful reminder for us that God sees past our sin because he sees our true identities. He sees that we are actually more than what society has told us. And he often uses the humble, the inadequate, the unqualified instruments for his bigger plans and his purposes. And what I love about the story is that the whole thing points to Jesus. We know that the name Joshua too actually translates to Jesus in Hebrew. And like Joshua, Jesus leads people into the promised land. So does Jesus lead us into the promised land of heaven, into eternity with him and the Father. And something really amazing is that Joshua, who was one of the 12 spies 38 years earlier for Moses, he was sent as one of the spies, as one of the representatives to see the lands. So does Jesus send representatives into all the lands, not just his 12 disciples, but us too, including you at home watching this today. We are his representatives. We are called to share the good news. We are not to be shamed by our sin. We are not to be intimidated by the walls and the barriers of this world because God shatters those. He calls us to engage with the Rahabs of our world. He calls us to engage with the Rahabs of our city, of our workplace, the Rahabs in our schools and even in our church, the men and the women who have been labeled and judged by society. We are called to see the ones who are unseen by the world. We are called to help them see that they are in fact seen by the one true God. Thank you.